count your blessings, name them one by one. That's not only the lyric to a familiar old chorus, it's a biblical mandate. Cultivating a heart of gratitude is one of the keys to finding personal satisfaction and joy. The psalmist said, let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. Today on Insight for Living, you'll hear Chuck Swindoll point to several references in scripture that underscore this theme. And as you listen to this encouraging reminder, perhaps you'll be thinking of the remarkable ways God has blessed you. We'll begin by reading from the Psalms. I've been thinking a lot lately about the qualities that should define us as Christians. While our appearances may not change all that much when we trust Christ as our Savior, our thinking and our behavior do. Specifically, I'm referring to thinking of how blessed we are and then expressing gratitude to God for those many blessings. You may be thinking, but Chuck, you don't know the stress I live with. You don't know the difficulties. How could I be grateful for that? You're right. I really don't know. But God does. What's more, God makes it very clear that cultivating a heart of gratitude is His specific will for each of our lives regardless. Yes, each one of us. I remember years ago when our children were still at home, I called Cynthia on the phone one afternoon and I said, Honey, let's do something different at the supper table tonight. Let's spend some time reflecting. So we did. For almost an hour after our meal, if you can believe it, we sat with our kids and all of us thought about God's blessings, beginning at the time when Cynthia and I were married and then later on when we began to raise our family. We talked about the births of each child. We also reflected on the truths we had learned at the school we attended. We remembered the church where we were investing our lives at the time. These and so many other blessings came to mind. All of us participated. It was time well spent. Occasionally during the time of reflection, each of us, including the children, would say a prayer of gratitude to God. To this day, I remember it as a wonderful evening. Isn't it easy to forget God's blessings? It's a lot easier to remember the tough days and the hard times. But God commands us to remember the good things He does for us. You know, that takes deliberate effort. Every time I do that, I always come away with a fresh perspective and with a heart full of gratitude. Now, let's listen to how the New Living Translation renders the psalmist words in Psalm 103, verses 1 through 5, and then we'll skip to verses 8 through 12. Listen to the blessings he talks about. Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I praise His holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things He does for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. 
He fills my life with good things. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us, nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us, as we deserve. For His unfailing love toward those who fear Him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. You're listening to Insight for Living. Helpful resources for the series Questions Christians Ask are easily accessed at insightworld.org. And now the message from Chuck Swindoll. Why are we so blessed? Stone mountains seem to be the perfect place for praise. And so we turned it into that. Oh, it happened after a, well, actually before a wedding that I performed in uh, Atlanta, Georgia, a number of years ago, I had been asked by the bride and groom to travel there and to be a part of their celebration, and I was only too happy to do so partly because I loved them so much as a couple and had seen them grow together in their love relationship and a lot of details connected with their courtship that Cynthia and I were involved in. And secondly, because uh, most of the people, in fact, I think all the people in the wedding party were, were born-again folks. All of them were Christians. And the morning of the wedding, uh, the men joined with me to go out uh, about 15 miles northeast of Atlanta to a massive deposit of, of stone, I think it's granite, uh, a place called Stone Mountain, stands about 650 feet above the uh, terrain. You can see it from all around the area. We took a tram up to the top, and uh, I don't know, 12 or 15 of us uh, fellas uh, found a little spot that we would get all alone, and we would just spend some time with God. It uh, remains in my mind as a wonderful memory to this day. The sun was bright from that deep blue Georgia sky, and the lacy clouds were just sort of lazily drifting by. And by and by, after we had uh, prayed a little together rather quietly, we got bolder still, and we began to sing. I remember we sang an, a gospel song that seemed fitting for where we were on Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. And we sang some choruses of worship, and, and then we began to, to tell God how, how much we loved him. We turned it into praise on that hill. And then uh, we sat down, and by and by several of us lay down on this uh, hilltop, and we were joined by six or eight, ten other folks that thought it was kind of a public gathering. So they joined in, and we began to, to express to God our gratitude for all the things he had done for us. And one person named something, and another person named two or three things, and I named uh, something that came to my mind, and it was just kind of a, a mountaintop of praise for over an hour's time. 
I'm honest, to this day, every time we sing, count your many blessings, name them one by one, I think of Stone Mountain that morning when we did that. I also think of that particular place when I look at Psalm 103, which is a, a command from the psalmist to, to bless the Lord, and yet he doesn't command anyone else. He actually talks to himself as he says to his soul, bless the Lord, O my soul. Ever talked to yourself? I hope you haven't told yourself things you haven't heard before, but maybe you have talked yourself into praising. And that seems to be what the psalmist does here. O soul, give God blessing. Give God praise. All that is within me, bless his holy name. And then he repeats it. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Second verse, forget none of his benefits. It's an eternal insurance program that has all of the benefits that no earthly insurance program has. And the psalmist says, forget none of his benefits, and then he begins to name them. Look at that. He pardons all your iniquities. Who else could ever do that? I don't care how great the person may be, how close a friend, how loving a parent, none of these human beings around us who have passed on before us or will be born after us can ever touch our iniquities. But, oh God, I bless you for pardoning all my iniquities. And who else could heal all my diseases? No one. I know physicians who can diagnose them. I know surgeons who can do operations down deep within the abdominal cavity and take out the tumor. But I don't know of a man or woman who can heal a disease. And so, God, I bless you today. The psalmist goes on. He redeems my life from the pit. That's all in the world a testimony is. It's telling somebody else how God got us out of the pit. No one can do that but the living God. He, he crowns me with loving kindness and with compassion. He satisfies me with good things. Why, you and I, 12, 15 years ago, would never have dreamed we would have owned the things we have today in our possession. Probably too many things. And God graciously gives and graciously, graciously gives, never according to what we deserve, but always according to his nature. Oh, You know, it's a scriptural thing to count your blessings. It's scriptural. You'd almost think that it's a scriptural thing to name your problems. You'd almost think that it's biblical for Christians to gather together and talk about the difficulties. Because more often than not, that's what's most popular. I, uh, I think we often look for things to complain about. And we preoccupy ourselves with those things. I have been waiting for months to use this illustration. Finally, I have a chance to use it. It has been burning a hole in my files all these months. It came from the uh, Los Angeles Times back October 9, 1982. So you see how long I've been waiting to use it. 
It's a rather humorous article by Barry Siegel as he talks about this tendency to focus on the wrong. Bear with me. Alarmists worrying about such matters as nuclear holocaust and pesticide poisoning may be overlooking much more dire catastrophes. Consider what some scientists predict. If everyone keeps stacking National Geographics in garages <laughs> and attics, instead of throwing them away, the magazine's weight will sink the continent 100 feet. Sometime soon, we'll all be inundated by the oceans. If the number of microscope specimen slides submitted to one St. Louis hospital laboratory continues to increase at its current rate, that metropolis will be buried under three feet of glass by the year 2024. If beachgoers keep returning home with as much sand clinging to them as they do now, 80% of the country's coastline will disappear in 10 years. Hard to believe? Now you're not going to believe this. Scientists have the statistics and formulas to prove it all. They've even been published. Welcome to the Journal of Irreproducible Results. I love that name. The official publication of the Society for Basic Irreproducible Results. The general public may not know about the journal, but many scientists do. Published for 26 years. Written and edited by scientists, the journal now has 40,000 subscribers in 52 countries around the world. The journal spoofs, parodies, and satirizes what its editor calls the verbosity, pompous obscurantism, and sheer stupidity encountered in scientific publications and projects. Some items in the quotes are real reprints from legitimate journals to illustrate their factuality. But most articles are parodies written in technical scientific jargon, complete with diagrams, tables, formulas, mathematical calculations, and nonsensical conclusions. Let me just bore you with one other paragraph. It's entitled, The Pickle Humbug. The journal reported the striking discovery that pickles cause cancer, communism, airline tragedies, auto accidents, and crime waves. About 99.9% .9 of cancer victims have eaten pickles sometime in their lives, the article pointed out. So have 100% of all soldiers, 96.8% of communist sympathizers, and 99.7% of those involved in car and air accidents. Moreover, those born in 1839 who ate pickles have suffered 100% mortality rate. <laughs> and rats, rats force-fed 20 pounds of pickles a day for a month ended up with bulging abdomens and loss of appetite shame what's happening today. Now we need that laugh. We need, to, we need to laugh at some of those stupid things. In fact, we need to laugh more at life and frown at it less. Need to cry more at life and less at the television, quite honestly. We need to see life as it really is. We need to see life through the lens of the living God. Otherwise, the psalm is a lie. And the living God is a waste.
a mockery. I took the time deliberately to pause from the reading of Psalm 103, and I could have studied it for two, three, four days in a row and not come near to exhausting it, and just counted my blessings. Funny, I didn't force it, but the five blessings that I came up with started with the letter H. First, I thought of my health. I thought of my mind. It's strong. I thought of my my ears are good and my tongue can speak and my lungs are good and I thought of, of my body and, and, and I thought of many of my close friends, good health, and I thought, what a, what a benefit. I couldn't remember a time in the last several months that I had said, thank you, Lord, for good teeth and that they're my own and thank you for the for, for glasses that I can wear so that my eyes can see better. Thank you for a heart that's in good condition. Thank you for legs that I can walk on and hands that I can handle and feel with and for arms, both of them working together. Thank you for my health. You thanked him for your health lately. And then uh, naturally you'd expect me, I thought of my home I thought of of a wife who loves me and affirms me and believes in me and yet still tells me the truth, confronts me when I need it and and tells me the hard thing when I need to hear it and, and the right thing seems to have her timing down just right. And I, and I thank God for my family, my children, my grandchild. He's speaking four languages now. He's a little slow, but he'll be along. I thought of all of the people that are close to my my roots, and I thought how much they mean to me. How clean and comfortable is the place where we live. Warm in the winter and cool in the summer and several beds to sleep in and a comfortable sofa to relax on and and, uh, lovely carpeting and uh, hardwood floors. I thought... God, thank you for my home, the relationships and the memories, and yes, even the conflicts that make me a better man. I thought of my happiness. I thought how many times a week I laugh. And my friends, you've already laughed more than once today. Think of the the joy of laughter. It's, It's a noise no animal can make, just a human being. The happiness of a of a clear conscience, the, the happiness of a, of a job that I enjoy. They even pay me to do it. The, the joy of, of change and the happiness that comes in knowing tomorrow will be different than today. It'll be better in many ways in my life. And so that's another one, my hope and my heritage. Oh, America. God sheds his grace on on us. If I I live to be 150, I'll never forget the day I stood as a young Marine coming back from overseas on a troop ship as it moved through this massive harbor just below the Golden Gate Bridge. And a band was waiting for us as we were coming home and they were playing California, Here I Come. I didn't want any other Marine to see me crying and so I looked tough. But underneath, I was just melting. This is my home. There's no other place you can make this kind of living. 
No other place you have this kind of potential. No other possibility and potentiality. No spot like this land where you can choose your profession and go for it educationally and reach your dreams and find all kinds of assistance and encouragement to make it happen. Easy to forget our heritage. Never known a home where the name of Christ Jesus wasn't known. I'll tell you, there may be prettier sunsets in the South Sea Islands. There may be better skiing in the Alps. There may be bigger bears to shoot in Russia and mountains to climb in Turkey. There may be more oil in Arabia and Venezuela. There may be even more majestic waterfalls in Africa. But there's no place like this land. You just travel. You'll see. Just take a look. You can't wait to get back home. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Explode with praise. Why? Why are these blessings ours? So we can write big, thick volumes of our history? No, that's not the end. So we can uh, just bask on a, on a windswept hill and, uh, and talk back and forth, dialogue about how great we have it? No. So we can make more, to make more, to leave more? No, no, a thousand times no. Scripture never says that. He never sees blessings as a dead-end street. The Lord God doesn't. Don't let anybody tell you that that's scriptural. He always sees the blessings as coming from himself, showered upon us, and in return, passed on. Why are we so blessed? That's the title of today's message from Chuck Swindoll. You're listening to Insight for Living. And it's possible you're listening today not with a heart of praise, but perhaps a broken heart. Well, you'll hear Chuck offer some compassionate biblical counsel in just a moment, so please stay with us. Today's sermon represents the ninth in a 12-part series called Questions Christians Ask. To download the MP3 files or to purchase the CDs, go to insightworld.org. And by the way, while you're there, you'll be pleasantly surprised to find free outline notes. To follow along with Chuck's message every day and jot down your own notes, be sure to take advantage of the Message Mates. Just go to insight.org messagemates. In the toughest moments of life, when we're having a difficult time seeing the silver lining of God's blessing, it's important that we come to Him with our deepest feelings. Chuck? There are times that trouble strikes out of nowhere when we least expect it, and it's either the result of some foolish mistake we've made or a random tragedy. And, yes, sometimes we're the victim of someone else's poor choices. In those raw and volatile moments of personal pain, there's no better place to unload our sorrow than in God's throne room, all alone with Him. He invites us to confess whatever it is that's on our hearts. If you feel unprepared to speak to God about your sorrow, or you need permission to spill it out, look no further than the Psalms. 
It's filled with those kind of encounters. Take Psalm 42, for example. Listen to these honest words from the New Living Translation. As the deer longs for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? Day and night. I have only tears for food. While my enemies continually taunt me, saying, Where is this God of yours? Maybe you're right there, right now. Or perhaps you're putting your arms around someone who's in that kind of pain right now. Day and night, you have only tears for food. I call those desperate moments. Insight for Living's pastor in the United Kingdom has written a helpful book on this very subject. I highly recommend adding this resource to your collection. It's called The Way of Lament, A Biblical Approach to God in Times of Pain. All of us need to feel the freedom to express our disappointment to God. You know, He can handle it. In fact, He longs to hear things like that from you. The psalmist concluded his lament with these words, Why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? I will put my hope in God. I will praise Him again, my Savior and my God. Well, we'd like to send you a copy of Dr. Terry Boyle's brand new book, The Way of Lament. It's yours when you include a donation in the amount of your choosing. And here's the phone number, if you're listening in the United States, 1-800-772-8888. Again, that's 1-800-772-8888. You can also make your request online at insight.org. Again, the title of the new book, The Way of Lament. And as we begin a brand new year of ministry together, we're looking for men and women just like you to come alongside Chuck Swindoll and the team at Insight for Living as one of our valued monthly companions. A monthly companion, as the name implies, agrees to give a donation every month. January is the perfect time to get started, and the process is quick and simple. If you're listening in the United States, call 1-800-772-8888. Or online, go to insight.org slash monthly companion. I'm Dave Spiker. Chuck Swindoll's message, Why Are We So Blessed, continues Thursday, right here on Insight for Living. The preceding message, Why Are We So Blessed, was copyrighted in 1984, and the sound recording was copyrighted in 2013 by Charles R. Swindoll, Inc., All rights are reserved worldwide.